object. No small part of this second intruder's power lay in the depths of his gray eyes. His eyes didn't stare. They anchored the G-man's attention to such an extent that several seconds clicked by before Jackson noticed that the man's face consisted of something besides eyes. It took the G-man just a little off balance, that face of the man with the gray eyes. The cheeks looked hollow and pale, the chin receded slightly, the thin lips spoke only with their corners. Nix on the Roscoe, G-man. The black-masked man loomed larger in the nickel shell of the phone. His square-ended fingers went inside the G-man's coat, produced the gun Jackson would have given a year of his life to reach. Then the gray-eyed one's grip relaxed, and Jackson turned slowly to face his two unwelcomed visitors. The gray-eyed man held a gun that closely resembled a heavy automatic. The masked man had carelessly tossed the G-man's gun aside. There was nothing formidable about the mask intruder except his size, and even that was somehow dwarfed by the cyclonic energy that seemed stored in the lean length of his companion. Having felt the latter's muscles once, Jackson regarded the man with an infinite amount of respect. Still, he managed a brazen, "'What the hell do you call this?' "'The phone,' the gray-eyed man snagged from the corner of his mouth. "'Should be so that you could keep an eye on the door.' Remember that in the future. Jackson worked his lips into a grin. Consoling to know that I'm to have a future. The gray-eyed one laughed queerly. I didn't say whether the lesson was intended for your use in this world or another one. My guess is that here is where you fade out of the picture. The black gun in gray-eyed's hand tilted up a little, and Jackson was painfully conscious of its steely stare. Yet those who served the Department of Justice received much tempering in the fire of danger. Jackson knew suddenly that he was going to try to jump that gun. The G-man hurled himself straight at the man with the gun, but its owner wasn't a tangible opponent. There was suddenly nothing in the world for Jackson but a cloud of vapor that spurted from the weapon and blotted out everything before the G-man's eyes. Jackson fell forward into the waiting arms of the man whose face belonged to some underworld rat, but whose eyes were those of Secret Agent X. "'Take his legs, Bates,' Agent X said sharply to the man in the black mask. "'We haven't a second to throw away. I'm afraid I lost too much time already, talking to Jackson, but I wanted to make sure of his voice.' "'Right,' clipped Bates. He dropped his pipe into the palm of his hand and assisted the agent in carrying Jackson into the adjoining bathroom. Then the door was closed on X and the G-man.' Harvey Bates, the secret agent's trusted lieutenant, knew that when the door opened again, the white-faced underworld rat, who had accompanied him to the G-man's hideout, would exist only in memory. Agent X would become another personality, a man with a new face and a new voice. Never would Harvey Bates cease to marvel at the impersonations of his chief. Never would he stop wondering about the true appearance of this man of mystery. Yet for all his natural curiosity, an almost reverential respect for his employer prevented Bates from asking questions. He was satisfied with knowing that Agent X had but one objective, to carry the war against crime to its just conclusion, or to die in the attempt. After an incredibly short interval, G-Man Henry Jackson stepped from the bathroom. Anyone of average perception would have supposed that the man wearing Jackson's clothes, Jackson's features, and speaking with Jackson's voice, was G-Man Jackson. Even Bates, who had seen such transformations many times before, could not suppress a gasp of astonishment at the new appearance of Secret Agent X, 
A faint flicker of amusement lighted the piercing eyes of Agent X. Then it was gone, and the eyes were once more the windows of a keen, cool-thinking brain. "'You will remain here,' said Agent X, speaking in Henry Jackson's voice. "'When Jackson regains consciousness, pump him for every bit of information you can get. Find out where he got his tip on this scheduled killing. Find out if you can just what these White Cross killings mean. There's an epidemic of them, and I don't mind admitting that I'm in the dark as to the motive.' "'You, sir?' Bates asked. Used to interpreting Bates' laconic speech, X answered as he went through the door. "'I'm keeping Jackson's appointment for him, at the corner of Commerce and Bedford.' A taxi rolled with slow uncertainty up Bedford Street. The fare, a man in a silk hat, leaned forward and craned his white-scarfed neck, as if in an effort to find some familiar building. At last he impatiently ordered the driver.